Welcome to the Packet Pushers podcast. Today, we are doing a design and build show on DMVPN. This is a technology that I've worked with some, and our guest, Eugene Kabaroff, has worked with it quite a bit as well. And so we put our heads together, and after some months, I think, of going back and forth, we uh, we finally got our heads together to do this recording and discuss uh, DMVPN, Cisco's technology for connecting up a bunch of offices uh, using multipoint VPN technology. So, Eugene, welcome to the show, and if you would, please introduce yourself. Yeah, hi there. Hi, Ethan. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, I want to say that I am so excited to participate in this recording once again. And, uh, yeah, probably you remember me. I am a Eugene from Russia, and I am CCIE 51348. Uh, and uh, I'm a network engineer, obviously, and uh, I'm working for well, one of the largest outsourcing companies in Russia. I'm working for European customers and supporting large-scale enterprise networks and et cetera, et cetera. And Eugene, you reminded me before we started recording that you have been on Packet Push before. This goes back to April 2015, show 234. We did a design and build on network mergers, and you were yeah, one of the guests yeah, there. Right. Yeah, right. For, for, for a long time ago, I think. <laughs> uh, so I'm experienced, uh, experienced uh, podcaster, I think. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so here we are. <laughs> so so let's let's jump right in then. Um, DMVPN, uh, Dynamic Multipoint VPN, which is a, a Cisco VPN technology. W- why don't you give us the rundown? DMVPN in a nutshell. What's it all about? Uh, you know, uh, on one side, on one hand, it's an e- easy question. But on the other uh, end, on the other hand, uh, uh, we can just say that it's easy technology. Let me try to explain in a nutshell. Probably most of our listeners know that uh, that uh, this is a proprietary technology uh, from Cisco Systems for hub and spoke networks connectivity with lots of advanced options. And um, you know, uh, as for my opinion, I get used to classificate it uh, that uh, I get used to describe it uh, that it uh, has three main and three optional components. Uh, probably somebody wants. Uh, uh, to disagree with me, but anyway, it's up to them. Uh, my classification is three main options and three uh, optional uh, components. So, uh, first of all, first of all, first of all, it's uh, GRE protocol itself uh, plus MGRE interfaces uh, on the hub. Uh, uh, so-called hub uh, router, right? Uh, second one is a special next hub resolution protocol, the core of the DMVPN technology and the main thing that uh, brings us uh, the DMVPN itself. Uh, DMVPN itself can't exist without the NHRP, and I think that's the, the most uh, valuable and the most uh, important thing in the DMVPN. And the most magic are happening here, by the way. Hmm. Uh, and the, certainly the first one is the magic of uh, Cisco forwarding, uh, Cisco Express forwarding technology. <laughs> so, okay, uh, so I would agree with that. So three main uh, components here, GRE, including multi-point GRE interfaces. Uh, right. So GRE, as in, it's a tunneling protocol. If uh, Most of you listening to this show, I'm guessing, have worked with GRE at some point or another. So DMVPN leverages multi-point GRE. Uh, so that you are tunneling from one to many other points in a, in a, in a variety of topologies that we're going to talk about here. 
For endpoint discovery, you've got the next main point Eugene mentioned, next top resolution protocol, NHRP. That is how uh, endpoints register themselves within the DMVPN system so that you have uh, discovery. You've got an ability to find where endpoints are for certain blocks. And uh, and then, as you mentioned, Ceph, Cisco Express Forwarding. Um, uh, right. And, and you mentioned here in the notes, and it's text. So uh, is there something you have against uh, Ceph? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I <laughs> nothing against that. I said that the main, uh, that's the second magic that's happening in the router itself. Uh, so the third the main technology in, uh, that's uh, the common component of uh, DMVPN. But but also there is a free optional technologies. As for me, I think them are uh, these these three things are optional. So first one. First one, it's uh, some kind of uh, dynamic routing protocol. Uh, for sure, we can use a static routing, but uh, that's the not case uh, for large-scale deployment. And uh, uh, I didn't uh, see any uh, uh, deployments where the static routing only uh, used for such purpose. Uh, probably you can use uh, uh, ODR. Uh, ODR is also <laughs> a kind of dynamic routing, you know. Uh, let me explain, probably it's a little bit deeper. ODR is a uh, routing protocol. <laughs> I, I always confused to saying the routing protocol about the ODR because uh, it's just some kind of trick with CDP, yeah? <laughs> with uh, TLV extensions for Cisco Discovery Protocol to announce uh, uh, subnets through uh, CDP. <laughs> so yeah. I hardly say that this is a routing protocol. Uh, but anyway, you, you, you can use uh, You ODR could even use that, I mean, the point being. Yeah, you're more yeah, likely right. going to use, use BGP or EIGRP or OSPF, uh, depending on the design guides and what fits your situation, but but you could even use ODR if you wanted. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so the second thing, second thing uh, is the encryption. For DMVPN, uh, phase one, two, and three, we will discuss it a little bit later. Uh, uh, also, uh, probably so-called phase four exists. <laughs> so uh, dynamic IPsec encryption uh, uh, is an optional thing for these uh, first three phases, and uh, uh, the VPN can exist without VPN encryption at all. Yeah, uh, right, right, right. I mean, you, your point is it is optional. You don't have to use IPsec encryption in your MG or E tunnel, but that is almost always. In fact, I've, I can't imagine a circumstance where you wouldn't want to do that. Um, so you mm. want to encrypt across that uh, that DMVPN cloud. Uh, such such situation exists, and uh, probably if we have uh, have enough time, uh, uh, I'll explain. I'll try to explain it uh, later. Uh, uh, okay, but uh, let me mention the third one. Third mm-hmm. one, I think, uh, it's an uh, optional component, but uh, it's frequently used uh, in the production deployments. Is a VRF VRF light, especially, yeah. So called front door VRF deployments. Uh, this is a special situation uh, for. Uh, for your, uh, for example, phase one or phase three setup, uh, so you can divide uh, your overlay routing uh, and the underlay routing for the DMPN. So, uh, routing for the tunnel destinations, yeah, and the routing through a tunnel. That's a completely different things. Uh, VRF lights greatly uh, uh, simplifies uh, these deployments, and uh, uh, I'll discuss it a little bit later, and uh, especially my experience. Uh, 
and uh, my fails during the deployment. Uh. <laughs> well, I'll be interested to hear about your experience using VRF Lite for that purpose, splitting up uh, overlay and underlay routing, uh, right. in that I had not run into that, and I'm not I'm trying to remember why I hadn't run into that being a, a problem, uh, because tunnel recursion, where you're advertising the endpoints of your tunnel inside of your tunnel and then cause a, a recursion, uh, is a pretty well-known routing issue that most anyone that's brought up tunnels has run into at some point, and there's <laughs> lots sure. of different ways to deal with it. Sure. I had not run into using VRF Lite uh, for this purpose within DMVPN, so that'll be that will be interesting. Um, so before we go, you know, further, Eugene, I'm just curious your DMVPN experience. Um, how many? I mean, have you, you've done large deployments. It sounds like. Yeah, it was a uh, quite large deployment, I think, nationwide uh, for Russia. Uh, there is uh, three main uh, telecommunication operators exists in Russia. Uh, and uh, most of these operators have their own retail network, uh, uh, you know, for simple stuff like uh, selling their mobile phones, selling their SIM cards, etc. Uh, so I, I've... I've been working for, uh, I had been working for uh, such, such kind of retail network for a while, for more than seven years, I think. And uh, obviously, we have a wide network, a nationwide network with more than, um, let me count, I think, more than 3,000 routers, 3,000 remote offices. Hmm. And a uh, um, big part of them, uh, we are connected through the uh, MVPN. Uh, uh, so <laughs> probably you, you understand that I, I had an uh, issues and uh, successes with uh, with deployment. And, yeah, uh, and that, that, can, that's a real interesting can, can point tell, because. Can tell uh, with, yeah, I can tell interesting stories about. Oh this yeah, the, the the DMVPNs that I've done have been very small, uh, only uh, you know a dozen or so sites. You still have to use a lot of technology to make it happen. DMVPN is a a technology rich uh, feature set, if you will, within uh, within a Cisco router, but. When you go small and you don't have that many offices, you can get away with about anything. So whatever your design choice is, it's probably going to work and it's not going to sting too bad. But when you get up into the size of a DMVPN like you're dealing with, Eugene, all of a sudden the choices you make become really, really important. And so uh, because sure. they'll just the, – the larger you go, the worse a bad mistake is going to sting. Um, so I will enjoy hearing some of the quote-unquote mistakes you made along the way and what you learned from them. So, okay, before we get there, so we 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 talk about you know what is DMVPN. Now let's move on to the types of uh, DMVPN that there are because there, there's different phases that when you read through DMVPN literature, Cisco will explain to you uh, what they are and how they work. So, so talk us through the DMVPN phases, Eugene. Yeah, let me just uh, mention them briefly because phase one and phase two probably uh, are called uh, absolute absolute technologies. Yeah, and uh, we we can't uh, even uh, spot them in the production networks. Uh, probably phase one still uh, can be spotted in the small deployments. Uh, but anyway, so uh, the first uh, phase, phase one, is a simplified provisioning on the hub router. Nothing else, nothing more. Uh, you have uh, one tunnel on the hub, and uh, uh, you don't have to uh, create uh, <laughs> create point-to-point tunnels on the uh, hub router. By the way, that's a real story, absolutely real story. In the year 2008, 
I saw such deployment uh, <laughs> for for large scale uh, retail network. I saw uh, I saw uh, a hub browser with point to point simple point to point GRE tunnels uh, and three uh, thousand uh, oh sorry three hundred three hundred remote sites uh, across one of the regions. Uh, this was Cisco uh, seven thousand two hundred router. <laughs> <laughs> that's terminating all of these uh, 300 <laughs> tunnels. And, and it's uh, been a while since I thought about uh, the, the phases, but phase one, you that is strictly a spoke-to-hub deployment. Right. You, there is and no the, spoke-to-spoke the, communication the, at all. Perfect. It was the perfect case for me to deploy phase one here. <laughs> that's all. Uh, you, mm. you just have to create one tunnel with uh, type uh, multi-point jury uh, and terminate all of the uh, remote sites uh, uh, up to this uh, one tunnel. So uh, for a uh, so-called end-user <laughs> network, network administrator, this is just a simplified provisioning, uh, uh, nothing special. All of your uh, traffic are going through the hub uh, and... Uh, for the most uh, cases, you are uh, just advertising. Uh, uh, for example, for example, you can advertise just default. But, but as you say, <laughs> but, that one's obsolete. Um, and then, yeah, uh, and then the next right. obsolete one is uh, is phase two. Uh, right, right. The phase two is also called absolute technology because uh, because <laughs> you understand technology is moving further. <laughs> and uh, phase two are. Uh, how to save it? Uh, how to save it correctly? Uh, overloaded with routing information, if we can say so. So every spoke, uh, every spoke router have to have a full uh, routing uh, knowledge about the another spokes, and uh, obviously this is a waste of resources. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, for the phase two networks, uh, just uh, simple. Uh, Simple advertisement of routing information from one spoke to another spoke, but on the hub router you have to uh, preserve uh, next hub routing information and uh, disable split horizon rules. Uh, for example, for EHRP protocol, uh, this is uh, so-called uh, no IP split horizon, as I, as I remember it uh, cor correctly. Uh, yeah, something like this. And um, what can we say about phase two? So, a lot of routing information, uh, absolute approach, uh, uh, special step uh, trick used uh, to uh, to get an, uh, to update and routing information in the foreign information base. Yeah, uh, and we can't perform any summarization or default routing because of the nature of this phase. Uh, just forget about this phase. Uh, once again, <laughs> once again, because uh, I spotted a lot of problems with phase two, especially because of the, the nature and because of the uh, volume of the route, routing that you have to proceed uh, in the phase two. <laughs> it, it, uh, right. more, more modern iOSs now take us to to phase three. Yeah, and let's uh, let's uh, step further to the phase three. Phase three. Uh, for phase three, we have valuable addition, uh, up-to-date uh, technology of uh, the MVPN. Uh, it used a special NHRP, uh, NHRP processing is uh, a little bit different than with phase two. The main difference is that uh, hub is used for NHRP discovery only and sends NHRP redirects, uh, so-called NHRP traffic indication packet. Uh, it sends it, uh, it sends 
it back to the source of the traffic and the original uh, packet is forwarded to a destination at the same time. Uh, then the spoke query, another uh, spoke, uh, technically it's uh, query, another spoke via the hub router, but uh, uh, we can see that uh, one uh, spoke, ra spoke router receives a request from another directly, directly, uh, but uh, traveling it via the, the hub. Yeah, um, and uh, at this mo at, at, at this time, uh, note that initial resolution request packet trails via hub. Uh uh, yeah, and the final fi final sentence. Finally, query updates uh, save cache with uh, so-called uh, shortcuts. Yeah? yeah, so you can you can see in the routing table, for example, you have a default router or no default route only. But uh, in the forwarding table, you can see that uh, there are special uh, uh, safe entries uh, to the uh, remote uh, remote router destinations uh, with next hop set to the. Uh, set to the tunnel address of the remote uh, remote router. Uh, and, that's, that's and, and NHRP is giving us a, a more information here, you know, in this phase. It's allowing us to populate the forwarding table. Yeah, probably my explanation was so cumbersome, uh, but uh, in, in a nutshell, uh, phase three, uh, in phase three, we, we can get only the default route uh, from the hub and update our uh, next hop in the forwarding table, uh, finally, so we can uh, reach the remote uh, router directly without uh, hopping from the hub router. And that's that's the magic. You're going, you are going spoke to spoke using NHRP. Part of that NHRP communication is going through the hub initially because that's the seed value that you have in your tunnel configuration on the spoke, if I remember right. You're saying, you know, NHRP, you're going to register here, and if you have some questions you need answered, you're going to ask this NHRP router, which is the hub. And so those initial queries go to the hub, which can hand off uh, the response and say, this is the spoke you need to be talking to um, for this destination uh, to stand up your tunnel and, uh, and proceed on to the next network. Yeah. Okay, so we've got these, th these three phases. Phase one and two are obsolete. Uh, phase three is what is uh, used typically. And just for clarity here, when you configure an HRP on a router, it's not as if you're in some DMVPN paragraph and say, I want to use phase three through some command. It's just the, the phases that you're using are implied by the style with which you set it up. Um, so when you're using NHRP redirects, NHRP shortcuts, et cetera, that just takes you down the road of that you're using phase three, and that's all covered in the uh, the Cisco DMVPN design guides, which are extremely detailed uh, when you get into those. That's, that's right. That's right. That's, that's in a nutshell, right? Uh, can't say even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about routing. The uh, w what do you see as the role of a routing protocol within uh, DMVPN, and then what's your um, what's your routing protocol of choice? Oh, you know, uh, that's a good question. That's your routing protocol of choice. <laughs> it's always it's always a, a great great answer for this. It depends on the deployment. <laughs> depends on the scenario. Uh, <laughs> so for large scale deployments, anyway, uh, that's uh, the BGP, the protocol of my choice. But uh, you can play with SPF and EHRP also. It's up to you. And uh, I saw uh, good examples of deployments with SPF and with EHRP, and they are they, they are quite uh, useful for the production networks with. Uh, uh, little to no problems at all uh, during the operation and during the 
uh, day-to-day maintains uh, tasks. Uh, but uh, as for me, uh, if it uh, was if if it was a greenfield deployment, uh, I would consider using a BGP for large-scale uh, deployment, uh, uh, 100%. Um, so, so explain um, before we get into the protocol specifics. Just explain the routing topology at a high level. So, so let's think about it this way: We've got a large DMVPN cloud. There's a, a thousand or two thousand endpoints, uh, routers that are hanging off this cloud. They have the ability to talk to one another. They can discover each other using NHRP. Um, do they also peer with each other using? Uh, a routing protocol, or is it more of a hub-and-spoke routing topology where each spoke is talking to one or two or however many hubs uh, are there and exchanging routing information that way? Yeah, I understand. So the main advantage of DMVPN is that you are using the hub-and-spoke topologies. That implies that you don't have to peer with each spoke. You are just peering with the hub router, and all of the routing information are traversing from the uh, hub itself. So your uh, uh, peering adjacency is, is decreased uh, uh, from uh, from a well-known formula of n n minus one uh, uh, n n minus one point two. As I remember it correctly. <laughs> yeah, which I think is, and all that's an important point to to understand is when you're building this out, you're not building this massive mesh of routing. Uh, adjacencies yeah. and building up neighbors and neighbors and neighbors and neighbors, which would be you know, insane. You're, you're getting a, a lot of scale out of this by uh, having your endpoints peer with the hubs. So you need some beefy hubs that can handle however many adjacencies you're dealing with, uh, and you can also scale with having a uh, several different hubs, and maybe not everybody's peered to everyone else. I'm trying to remember from the design guide. You can also. Uh, I, I don't know if this is still current, Eugene, but it used to be that you, Cisco had a design where you could separate who your routing peers were with who your tunnel endpoints were. There was some complex scheme like that. I, have you, I don't know if you ever had to build anything quite like that or not, or if you kept your hubs acting as tunnel endpoints as well as routing endpoints. Uh, anyway, as far as as for me, as far as I remember, the main of the deployments are the same. So your your hub is a routing endpoint and the, the uh, talent points at the same time. By the way, uh, other vendors have quite interesting schemes that separate this. Uh, uh, functionality, uh, but for Cisco, 99% you, you would like uh, for 99% you you will spot uh, uh, the station with uh, your tunnel destination, tunnel endpoint. Uh, it's better to say. So on the tunnel endpoint and the neighbor is the same router. Uh, and um, uh, let's let's go. Let's look deeper to the routing consideration. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, let me mention uh, the uh, really important things about the phases. Uh, you can differentiate the phases, by the way, by uh, looking to the special uh, configuration commands for the, uh, for the routing protocols. For example, uh, it's widely known for 
uh, OSPF, OSPF routing protocol for phase one and phase three, uh, you have to use a network point to multipoint uh, because everything is uh, traversing through, through the hub for phase one and for phase three initially uh, the same situation of initial packets uh, traveling through the hub uh, but later, as I had already said, it's tra traveling uh, through the a uh, special dynamic channel to the uh, end spoke uh, because of uh, the NHRP uh, protocol and uh, the, and its magic, <laughs> so-called magic. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, for phase one, you can easily differentiate uh, the presence of phase two by looking to the OSPF uh, network type of broadcast and uh, uh, if you are using the uh, EGRP, EGRP routing protocol, uh, this is the no IP next hop self and uh, uh, no IP split horizon, EGRP process number, as I remember it. Uh, yeah, uh, for the phase three, for the phase three, yes, I had already said uh, once again, uh, you can summarize uh, your routing information and send uh, to the spokes only the default, but uh, uh, problem arises here. For example, just imagine you have an internet connection from your spoke and uh, you are advertising the same uh, default route through a tunnel. So you have underlay routing with default uh, uh, route and you have overlay routing with default route. Uh, if uh, you have only one routing table, obviously you have a problem. So front door VRF comes into play here. Uh, just uh, please don't forget <laughs> to use a separate routing table for, for for example, for your tunnel or for for your underlay network uh, in, for example, internet connectivity. Uh, or you can uh, you can spot uh, just uh, uh, funny <laughs> problems with recursive routing and tunnel. <laughs> you understand probably this. And almost every network engineer uh, so this uh, situation if uh, he uh, used uh, DMVPN networks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have, everybody's been here, you know, and there's different ways to get around it. I, the VRF one is an interesting one that I, I again, I hadn't heard before, but uh, but I like it. In my brain, that, that works. Uh, as long as there's enough flexibility with the interfaces to be able to assign the different physical and virtual interfaces into the VRF you need, you've got a platform that's, that gives you that flexibility, great. Um, I, I yeah. get it. Yeah. So, so only only one thing uh, you have to specify on the tunnel interface itself uh, uh, special command as, as far as I remember tunnel VRF and the name of a VRF uh, that is riding uh, your that is your tunnel riding on right. Uh, for example, if you are using VRF for the underlay uh, for the underlay interface, if you are using VRF for the tunnel itself, it's just simple IP VRF forwarding uh, command, well-known command. Mm -hmm. yeah. So place your, your interface into VRF strictly. Uh, just don't forget to place the IP addresses back. <laughs> uh, yeah, and again, yeah. not that you not that you have to split overlay and underlay into VRFs. I think it's a it's a useful feature, though, if you... Uh... Uh, as, as, for, as for me, finally, I, I found that this option is the most useful for, for any deployment. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the second widely known and uh, probably useful for somebody option is uh, policy routing, but uh, I, I hate policy, policy routing. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hate policy routing, and uh, I believe most of the network engineers uh, hate uh, policy routing because, because of the, the nature of processing, processing this type of uh, 
uh, of a packet. Yeah, you have to use uh, uh, your central processor for, for, for forwarding your uh, data plane traffic. <laughs> Obviously, this is not that it's uh, invented for. <laughs> now, uh, Eugene, we've mentioned OSPF, EIGRP, BGP, and ODR, uh, and I know from the Cisco Design Guides, they do lay out, like like you mentioned, you need a different network type depending on which phase you're running and what your intention is uh, for traffic flows. Uh, EIGRP, you might have to deal with split horizon, um, et cetera. Um, now, that, again, the Cisco Design Guides for DMVPN get into every statement you would would need to implement those protocols. But um, I think as time has gone on here with DBM, DMVPN, particularly DMVPN at scale, neither OSPF nor EIGRP are the choice here. Uh, really, you want to go with BGP, right? Yeah, this is the protocol of my choice. Uh, if it is quite uh, large deployment, uh, I have to say more than probably 20 routers, uh, I'll choose uh, BGP anyway, just for the future purpose, because of uh, scalability and uh, the nature of uh, this protocol. <laughs> this is a rock star, you probably know it. <laughs> and for uh, the main um, player here with BGP is a special BGP uh, feature, so-called BGP listen range. Uh, uh, when I started my networking career, uh, career, uh, I didn't know about this command and uh, for the quite uh, large deployment uh, with uh, sites interconnect for about 20 sites over the DMVPN network, uh, I've used the static uh, neighbor, neighbors of BGP and obviously this is not manageable. manageable. Uh, <laughs> here's uh, this command uh, games uh, to play. And just remember, it. BGP listen range uh, peer group uh, probably can be useful useful here. But if, you, if you're not a, if you're listening to this and you're not a BGP user, you know you use whatever you use, but not BGP. BGP traditionally you set up neighbor adjacencies, you set up your peers specifically by IP address, uh, and then uh, using that information and possibly adding a password, you have those two neighbors come up and they've got to match. But but as as Eugene says in DMVPN that doesn't scale. You don't want to sit there for you know a thousand plus nodes and be typing in peer addresses on the host. That's no good. So this is where the BGP listen range peer group command comes in. So you get yeah, this dynamic the ability to dynamically bring up neighbors. Right, right. Uh, yeah, but uh, exactly uh, commands uh, sounds like BGP listen range, and you you can optionally specify your peer group, and it's optional part of a command. Uh, just for listeners who, who don't remember <laughs> that command or, or have, have no clue where, where to, to find the command reference. <laughs> uh, but it's impossible, I think. <laughs> uh, uh, let's go further. Uh, what's about the types of uh, BGP? Yeah, you probably know that there are two types of uh, so-called so types uh, of BGP protocol exists. Uh, it's the external BGP, BGP, and the internal BGP, IBGP. So uh, what we have to use for phase three deployments uh, for our most current types of deployments? Uh, as for me, as for me, it's perfectly suitable to use uh, all of the spokes in the single uh, autonomous system, uh, uh, and this is the best option uh, because, um, for example, you can uh, you can just uh, copy and paste your configurations for spokes, uh, just uh, changing uh, your IP addresses for the tunnels, and uh, uh, that's it. That's it. Uh, so, so, so you're saying eBGP with spokes in a single autonomous system, meaning. 
uh, every spoke can have the same AS number. The hub will have a different AS number. Yeah, for uh, phase three, yeah. for phase three, this is perfectly suitable, especially if you are summarizing the routing information and sending just uh, the sending just the summary to the remote spoke. Just please don't remember to deal with uh, uh, to deal with uh, BGP uh, loop prevention. Yeah, so if you you see your own autonomous system in the ice path, <laughs> you should drop it. So uh, you is is a accepting your uh, own autonomous system uh, uh, or uh, just uh, stripping it off, uh, for example, on the hub. Uh, uh, right. If to, you want to accept that inbound address. So, so the, the problem being, typically, with an autonomous system, the assumption of BGP is that every router is fully meshed with every other router within. And then as a loop prevention mechanism, uh, if it sees an advertisement coming to it, if a router sees a BGP advertisement coming to it with its own autonomous system number in the advertisement, it says, ooh, that indicates a loop to me. This must have gone through a path that it's already been. This is a loop, therefore I'm going to drop that. But in this case, we don't have every member of the uh, autonomous system directly connected to every other. We're just reusing the AS name, but in fact, we've got unique autonomous systems, num uh, unique autonomous systems per spoke. And therefore, if you want to have one spoke route advertisement show up at another spoke without that remote spoke dropping the advertisement, you've got to some either as you said, Eugene, either filter off uh, the, the AS number so it it's not seen as a loop, or you'd need to I believe it's what is it the local dash AS allow in uh, parameter so that you can accept routes with your own AS number in it, meaning wink wink BGP. I know this isn't a loop. It's okay. You can accept this route. <laughs> Yeah, or probably a simple, simpler option. You can just use IBGP, but in, in this situation, you have to deploy a rouse reflector. For example, your hub uh, uh, will magically uh, become a <laughs> rouse reflector. Because you're still not going to have a mesh, and so therefore you deploy yeah, the route, yeah, route reflector you, you, so that everybody gets the you, route. You have, to, you have to advertise uh, your route information from one spoke to another somehow. Mm -hmm. But if you are, once again, if you are summarizing the information or just advertising, advertising uh, complete, uh, for example, just uh, just let's say, uh, slash 16 uh, route for, that is the summary for all of the uh, smaller uh, subnets of your spokes uh, to all of the spokes, that's okay, because uh, uh, Ceph uh, uh, will, uh, will do the magic and uh, finally uh, through the NHRP uh, you will be traversing to the another spoke directly if you want to traverse certainly spoke to spoke directly. <laughs> now, now, Eugene, BGP is your choice, and we've just described, uh, you know, at a high level anyway, the topology and how that might look, uh, a few different options. But let's say I'm really intimidated by BGP and I, I just, I want to use something else. What would be my second choice? Yeah, second choice, uh, obviously, will be a EIGRP protocol. And uh, this is the Cisco's choice uh, for smaller deployments. And uh, as for my experience, it works great, especially with front door VRF, VRF, uh, FV code uh, in, in general. So, in general, Cisco recommends uh, distance vector or path vector protocols. So, this is a suitable choice for us. Okay, and and again, uh, the the uh, design guy goes into detail on this. Uh, Eugene, you've also got a link here to one of the Cisco Live sessions, uh, breakout uh, BRK SEC three zero five two advanced DMVPN designs. Um, that that's got what in it? Do you remember the details in that? 
Yeah, that's the special case for much, uh, much how to say that, much more complex deployments, especially if you want to deploy uh, two or more hubs for redundancy, or probably if you want to deploy hierarchical networks. Uh, please, guys, uh, take a look at this presentation. Uh, this is one of my favorite one. Uh, you will uh, get a lot of valuable information from that for, from that presentation. Uh, recommended. Definitely. And again, that was uh, BRK SEC 3052 Advanced DMVPN Designs. You can get these from CiscoLive365.com. Um, they're usually available for no charge. You just got to authenticate with your Cisco account, CCO account, or register for uh, an account on Cisco Live directly, perhaps. It's been a while since I've been up there, to be honest. And then you can download those presentations. And the the the, the PDFs that they give you, a lot of times they're... 80, 100 more pages in length with uh, incredibly detailed uh, descriptions of the problem that they're going after all of these different presentations. So this one, uh, specifically for advanced DPN, DMVPN stuff, if you've not uh, read it before. All right, so yeah. let's move the conversation ahead, Eugene. We, we've got some idea of our topology and how this uh, looks and how this would work. Talk to me about quality of service because this would be a wan protocol i could be running voice or video across it um how, how do i set up qos on a on a multi-point gre tunnel going to multiple destinations yeah that's the problem that's the problem <laughs> because you probably can imagine uh your sites your sites your remote offices uh, so your spokes uh, can have uh, various uh various SLAs with your uh, service providers uh, and uh, uh, probably different uh, CIRs. Uh, oh, as for my experience, uh, for example, one of our offices uh, with uh, most of uh, uh, have one <laughs> from one, uh, one megabits channel to 100 megabits channel. How to deal with it? Uh, if, especially if one office wants to transfer some of the uh, information to another office with uh, much uh, smaller channels. <laughs> here, here is the problem. Here, here is the problem arise. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, your, and your solution here is an HRP map groups. Uh, this is uh, for situations uh, uh, if you're bound to uh, CIR, CIR offered by your uh, service provider uh, on the hub. Uh, uh, for one, stop, stop once again, once again. NHRP map group. Uh, if you uh, know uh, that um, parts of your spokes uh, have bound to a particular CIR of your ISP, you can bound uh, uh, one uh, group name for this CIR. For example, name it uh, one megabit. Uh, and another C group CIR. For just in case someone's missing that acronym, CIR committed information rate. How much bandwidth you've got on the remote side for purposes of our discussion here? Yeah, and you can apply uh, a specific service policy for uh, uh, just a simple string called uh, as you want. For example, small office with one megabit, uh, uh, middle, medium office with, for example, 10 megabits, and uh, large office with 100 megabits. You can name it uh, this group and apply particular service uh, policy, uh, particular service policy based on the uh, committed information rate offered by your ISP. And uh, this uh, group name, this group name uh, will be transferred through the NHRP extension fields. And uh, finally, uh, your uh, your hub uh, will get knowledge from the spoke, uh, what is the group for this spoke and that policy to apply for this spoke uh, specifically. 
but but there is also a situation when two spokes wants to uh, wants to talk to each other. Uh, for which uh, purpose you have to uh, you have to specify so-called HRP group uh, group name uh, comment on the tunnel of the spoke itself. Uh, this attribute is to identify group membership, so Hub can uh, assign correct uh, um, output service policy. Yeah. What's interesting about this is that because I, I have never deployed uh, QoS across you know, NHRP that that predates my DMVPN deployment days, um, or, or postdates it. I, uh, I I didn't get that uh, chance to work with that. But what this reminds me of, and this is kind of funny, is is Frame Relay. When you deploy a QoS template, go way back in time because I'm old. Uh, on <laughs> on Frame Relay, you would you would build out class maps that would map to your upstream circuit. You know, 56k if it was a fractional T1, 128, 256, and then you'd have your different policies mapping to that whatever the remote bandwidth was, uh, so that you could uh, have an effective policy. Uh, no matter what, yeah, the well, that's, that's side looks, was. looks yeah. looks similar. Looks similar, but uh, in the DMVPN it's much more easier. I think uh, group name is just a simple string description that is uh, transferred through uh, an HRP protocol extension. So uh, Spoke can uh, can tell the hub uh, that he is uh, in the special group. So hub can deploy this service policy to this hub much more easier than in frame relays, as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no right. There was no identification of what you were. You just had to know as the engineer what was on the other end, and then apply the appropriate uh, class map to the circuit. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the just simple string, some simple string to identify. So uh, let me just call it uh, to classify, classify spoke and uh, yeah. uh, its particular uh, committed formation rate, for example. But but uh, I've jumped. Uh, to earlier to the next uh, subtopic uh, is the topic of the um, communication between uh, spokes. Mm -hmm, between mm -hmm. spokes, uh, the same problem can arise. Yeah, for example, once again, remember the office one with 100 megabits uh, uh, channel and, for example, 10 megabits channel. That's, that's quite sm small speeds, <laughs> quite small bandwidth, but anyway, <laughs> let's imagine it, for, for example. Uh, how to deal with it? You can once again uh, exchange attributes uh, between spokes, uh, and in, in, in this case, in such case, it uh, should be an HRP attribute group uh, and a group name uh, certainly uh, uh, and on the um, remote spoke uh, you can map uh, this group uh, with an HRP map uh, group uh, once again group name and service policy output policy map right right that's quite quite easy say almost the same mechanism uh, like with hub but uh, to map uh, and to deal with uh, uh, spoke to spoke communications I uh, can't can't explain it even better than Cisco's documentation. Uh, I'm, I I've just give you a clue how to find it in HRP map group. <laughs> if you have to deploy a quality of service anyway, you you'd rather uh, read through the documentation, <laughs> guys. <laughs> there you go. NHRP map group is your your keyword to search on if you're looking to dig into this and exactly how to apply QoS to your DMVPN when you've got spokes uh, with mismatched sizes and you've got spokes and hubs with mismatched uh, bandwidth. Uh, and even if you don't, um, you know how to roll out uh, QoS to that environment can be found from there. Oh, okay, Eugene. Now, 
Anytime I've dealt with tunnels, I've always had the problem of MTU where, okay, I had a full-size packet. Now I'm putting a GRE header around that already full-size packet. And now I've got a fragmentation problem where that packet's trying to leave the interface. Oop, you're too big. And so then you deal with coping with that. You make the payload smaller so that you can put the... Uh, GRE uh, header and footer on there without uh, becoming oversized and, and avoiding fragmentation, or you just suck it up and deal with fragmentation, which kind of sucks because you're asking the router now to reassemble the packet on the other end. We really do want to avoid uh, fragmentation. Now, I, I, I'm guessing that there's the, there's no magic here within DMVPN that just makes MTU issues go away for me. I mean, I, it's still a problem and something I got to think about, right? Yeah, that's 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 the one of the most widely uh, spread, widely widely spotted problems uh, with DMVPN with any any types of the tunnels. So, uh, with any types of the tunnels that is reducing your original MTU size, uh, you have to deal with MTU, MTU issues. So, here's my advice. Uh, here's my advice about uh, this type of uh, situation. Uh, uh, first of all, guys, ne- never, 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 ever. Uh, uh, filter your ICMP uh, destination unreachable uh, uh, fragmentation needed messages, right? Because in such situation you can uh, broke your path into discovery mechanism and uh, finally uh, nothing uh, will work either. either. Yeah. yeah, but the, the, the deal with PMTUD is a lot of people will filter at a firewall or uh, and so you you don't have the benefit of PMTUD working because the messages that tell the routers what's going on uh, are filtered off, and so they're just going, it's not getting there. I don't know what the problem is. Now, in DMVPN, w- you know, with luck, you've got control over the entire in- uh, infrastructure, and so you wouldn't have a reason to be filtering those messages off. Uh, and, and so, like, Eugene is encouraging, yeah, don't. Don't do that. Don't filter those messages off. Let PMTUD work as designed. Yeah, but sometimes you you can say that to your uh, to your uh, ISPs and especially for the carrier uh, ISPs for some kind of layer le- level one, level two ISPs. <laughs> some of them strange strange things happens, but some sometimes they are also uh, filtering your your ICMP messages. <laughs> they're helping. Uh, they're adding value. That's what they're doing. <laughs> Probably yes. <laughs> uh, so, this is, so second thing, when you have to deploy a large-scale DMPN, uh, you certainly can't uh, uh, calculate for each spoke uh, your MTU, uh, your uh, most uh, optimal MTU. Uh, as for my experience, it's better to uh, to lower the MTU to particular particular uh, low value, for example, 1,400, and uh, uh, use a special trick with uh, TCP traffic, uh, IP TCP adjust uh, MSS on the ingress interface of the uh, spoke router to decrease the TCP uh, MSS segment, uh, so uh, to be uh, for for 40 uh, bytes less than your MTU on the tunnel itself, uh, and it will deal with uh, it. It will uh, avoid most of of your problems with with MTU and yeah. fragmentation. Yeah. 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 Typically, that's I would the, run um, I would run IP approach. I would run IP MTU 1400 on my tunnel interface, and then IP or uh, IP TCP MSS. 
1360 was my, you know, in 1400, there's no magic number there. It's just when you've got GRE overhead and you've got IPsec overhead, um, that was just like a nice round number that didn't. Yeah, nothing um, more, nothing it, less, nothing more, nothing less. And why yeah. we, we use value and uh, guys, uh, keep it simple. Keep it simple is the most easiest approach. Uh, just lower your MTU to, to this particular value. Uh, most of the guys deploy it, it uh, everywhere and it works. It just works. Uh, second problem that you can spot, and I, I definitely want, definitely want to sh share it with you. Some of the uh, small uh, level three uh, uh, operators and uh, service providers are just uh, dropping their encrypted traffic, and that's really a weird problem. You know, <laughs> weird problem at all. <laughs> you, you can you can connect your, for example, notebook uh, to the, uh, to the patch cord that came from the ISP, trying to use the internet and so everything fine, looks fine. You 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 can you can connect to Google searching for something, but when you are connecting your uh, small office router. Uh, for example, <laughs> widely used uh, 870 or 890 router uh, ISR <laughs> and trying to deploy an IPsec DMVN tunnel, nothing works. That's weird. <laughs> how, how to deal with it? <laughs> uh, yeah, and once again, that's the problem with uh, IPsec encryption. Just, first of all, check with your ISP that they are not featuring uh, such type of packets. Uh, I, I heard some stories about the malfunction with uh, some of the, how to say that correctly, some of the uh, low-cost equipment, low-cost equipment that uh, uh, was filtering uh, such, such type of uh, hmm. packets by nature. And, and not end user, but last mile uh, ISP equipment mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that, is, that was filtering uh, uh, IP protocol 50 by default. <laughs> so, first of all, guys, before uh, dealing with such small operators, ask them, uh, <laughs> do we have any problems with encryption? That, uh, <laughs> don't deal with them. <laughs> so here, here's a kind of a, a question related to encryption, which is key management. Now, for a small deployment, it was pretty straightforward for us. We just used a pre-shared key that was common to all the spokes and kept it simple. Um, you know, it wasn't the most secure thing, but for our application, it was good enough uh, to deal with the ISACAMP keys in that way. Do, do you have a strategy you recommend for dealing with uh, keys? Oh, 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 not ready to discuss that in details, uh, not right now. Uh, no, nothing special because it's uh, uh, quite a straight approach. You use your PKI infrastructure for key deployment, and uh, this is the most widely used approach for, for that. Nothing special. Fair enough. If I just, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Nothing special. Just uh, uh, follow the best practices. Uh, that's it. Uh, let's move further. Let's move further. Uh, if you you have to deploy a large scale uh, deployment, uh, you have to automate it somehow. That's that's why that's why before designing your infrastructure, think about the automatization. Uh, for example, let's step back to the BGP. If you have a choice to deploy a BGP with autonomous system for each spoke, to be each spoke in its own autonomous system, just to get rid with loop prevention mechanism, better thing twice and deploy it like as I said, all of the spokes in the one uh, autonomous system because it's easier to 
automated. You have to just uh, you can just uh, copy and paste your configuration with uh, uh, with uh, minor changes of uh, tunnel IP addresses and the uh, and subnet uh, of the router itself. Yeah. Uh, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Uh, don't don't make it uh, complex. <laughs> uh, for for zero day deployments, uh, as for my experience, uh, another approach, uh, another good approach, uh, was to develop some kind of uh, optimization system based on web interface. Uh, so Eugene, just for clarification, you say zero day deployment. We're talking zero zero day zero touch. Um, is no, no. Zero day deployments is not a zero touch. Zero touch okay. is completely another thing. Okay. Completely I just want to make sure I'm, I'm understanding exactly what you're getting at here. That we don't have a language yeah. translation no. problem. Zero day deployments. It's uh, for example, you 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 get a request from your management to deploy with remote site. Ah, I see. Someone's right, in a hurry. Right. They want to push this out right now. Yeah, yeah. You're, in, you're in hurry, and you have to do it as, as fast as possible. For these types of requests, it's easier to have a pre, to, to be prepared for that, and uh, for these. Uh, cases I recommend you to uh, develop some kind of script optimization script uh, to yeah. generate your configuration configuration as for my experience uh, I've developed a web-based interface for my colleagues in on the remote sites uh, for large companies you know the situation you ha you have to deal with guys uh, with lower IT skills uh, but enough to travel to remote site and uh, to deploy a, a simple uh, thing uh, with instruction yeah for, for, for these guys and for these situations you you have to develop an optimization uh, solution uh, so we can just input uh, your uh, remote subnet for this office and uh, get the complete configuration to uh, upload it to the router so we can just take this router uh, upload this configuration and travel to the site and uh, place this router uh, and that's it you you have you, you you have a remote office connected to your dmpn network it's much more easier than develop it uh, by hand and uh, collect your errors via typos etc etc which just, isn't just, to say uh, that there aren't some zero touch configuration options available from Cisco I believe that there are although in fairness it's been a while since I've looked into that but the kind of a setup where you could deploy the router to the remote site it's got a USB stick on it it loads uh, a base configuration and then phones home to get its proper configuration. You, you can use uh, this, this approach. By the way, for Soho routers like uh, 8000 series, uh, so-called xxx.c.cfg uh, file, if it is, exists on the uh, flashcards, you can just press the Rosette button uh, for more than three seconds, as far as I remember it, uh, and uh, the router will load this type of uh, file to the configuration and boot with new configuration from from this uh, XXX. You, this is not zero touch deployment certainly, but uh, looks looks close to it. Uh, anyway, it simplifies the deployment for non-IT guys who are traveling to the remote sites and uh, installing this hardware. In your case, you, you roll your own. You said you built a web interface, you built some kind of a configuration generator script on the back end. They can go in through the web interface, uh, put in whatever bits they need to into a form that they can understand at their level, uh, and yeah. then yeah. use the website spits back at them a configuration that they can paste into the router and yeah, then yeah, uh, ship if, it off. Right, right. Even if they have no clue about the DMVPN, we just can uh, paste... Uh, 
uh, information about the remote uh, network, uh, copy and paste, uh, for example, copy and paste this uh, text configuration to the USB and travel with USB and router to the remote site and deploy it. That's easy enough. Which, which is a good point to make about DMVPN configuration generally, even though I did a small site, I didn't have, to, I didn't, I just didn't have that many sites to manage, so I didn't have much incentive to build anything that would generate a config for me. But I did have uh, just a straight-up text file that I had to modify very little going from router to router. It's a huge number of lines that intimidates you when you're looking at the tunnel interface uh, for the DMVPN setup. If you've never seen it before, you're like, wow, that's a lot of stuff in there to make this thing work. Well, yeah, but once you get it right and you understand what each of the lines uh, is for you're pretty much doing a copy and a paste to new spokes that you're setting up. Um, it's not that overwhelming. It's not like you have to rethink this every single time you stand up a new spoke. Most of it's the same. You're, you're really modifying uh, IP addresses and a few basic things like that to make it happen. And the rest of it, it just works. Once you've got your template uh, set up, you can kind of cookie cutter stamp them out uh, from there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I can't say even better, right? <laughs> Yeah, what what uh, what can we do uh, other than DMVPN? I mean, is there any alternative or, or something we should be thinking about instead of DMVPN in certain cases, or that's at least worth talking about? Uh, yeah, Ethan, let me let me uh, tell you a short short story. Uh, many years ago, we, we had a problem, by the way, with DMVPN, and especially with Phase Two, uh, because uh, not all of the our routers uh, were supporting the Phase Three yet. Uh, uh, up to that, that time, mm. and uh, we we had we had uh, three thousand eight hundred twenty five uh, router uh, Cisco router, uh, but but uh, probably by the performance uh, by performance by, by at least uh, by before by performance. Uh, Data sheet, uh, you you know, or uh, our listeners know that uh, it's not uh, so uh, so cool router to perform with large number of spokes and uh, large number of IPsec tunnels. <laughs> we we get we got a problem when uh, we have to terminate more than 200 uh, remote spokes on on that router. <laughs> Because it it got it got overwhelmed with routing information, etc. 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 And uh, that day we thought how how we can uh, move away from the DMVPN for this particular site. And uh, here is the easy VPN hardware client uh, hardware client uh, uh, appears for us. As, as for me, as for me, it, it was a quite uh, good option for this type of a deployments where you uh, don't want to use uh, DMPN with uh, routing and don't want to use uh, anything uh, uh, related to, uh, to a dynamic routing. Uh, or probably if you are uh, have to deal with Cisco ASA, uh, ASA, yeah. Uh, once again, probably most of our listeners uh, know that uh, ASA uh, doesn't support uh, DMVPN uh, as, as, as far as I know uh, until, uh, Not until that I now. Know of, no. may, right. may, maybe in some kind of a future roadmaps, I heard such rumors uh, <laughs> a few years ago, but still we, we don't, don't have any DMVPN on the ASA. Uh, and I, I'm don't, I, I don't expect uh, that DMVPN uh, will happen. 
because because the so-called phase four exists. <laughs> but let's talk about about it later. Ah, so once again, let's get back to the original story. Uh, we deployed an ASA, and uh, ASA uh, ASA uh, didn't support the DMVPN. Certainly, we have to deal with EasyVPN. EasyVPN was a uh, good solution for such types of a design, but uh, it's retired. It's no no longer developed by Cisco Systems. Why? Why? Because because and here uh, the most exciting technology of uh, current days happens. This is a flex VPNs. Flex VPNs and uh, once again so-called uh, DMVPN Phase Four. I think this is the future of the DMVPN. It's little, not not little. It's completely different from the DMVPN because <laughs> there is no GRE. <laughs> there is Ike version two. And uh, only one similarity, I think, between DMVPN and DMVPN uh, and DMVPN Phase Four, so-called uh, once again Flex VPN, is an NHRP protocol. Uh, to get a deep dive uh, about this new uh, technology, I strongly recommend you once again Cisco Life. And uh, a session called Flex VPN Designs from uh, from the uh, guy uh, by name Piotr uh, Kupisevich, yes, I remember it correctly. Sorry, once so, sorry, Piotr, if I, <laughs> I don't, don't pronounce your surname correctly. And uh, Frederick Detien, yes, I remember. Uh, he's a DMVPN co-architect from Cisco Systems, uh, and uh, we have a outstanding uh, explanation of uh, advanced flex vpn designs and uh, their futures uh, uh, just want to, just just want to mention oh, yeah sorry. brk sec 3036 brk sec 3036 flex yeah. vpn designs and yeah. yeah you've got in the notes here that that's 155 pages long yeah. as i remember this is more than 150 pages in the presentation <laughs> so guys <laughs> this is definitely but again that's re- you're looking at flex vpn you're you're a your opinion is that is the future of DMVPN because uh, DMVPN phase four so-called uh, flex VPN now. Uh, yeah, guys, for for small deployments, not, not so not not so small, but small to mid uh, mid uh, number of uh, routers deployment, maybe between one hundred to two hundred. As for me, this is just my personal opinion. Uh, don't, don't judge me. <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to prefer uh, to use FlexVPN, but for larger deployments like uh, more than uh, five hundred routers, I still uh, stuck with for the VPN phase three because I'm just get used and. Uh, that's proven technology to use. Now, is there similar technology from you know, non-Cisco vendors? Are they doing any sort of a multi-point tunnel uh, cloud like this? That's a good question. That's a good question because uh, probably uh, some of our listeners are not using Cisco Systems equipment uh, at all. Uh, as for me, and uh, I have uh, uh, have an opportunity to um, to use an HP HP AD VPN system, AD VPN system, and uh, you know that's a quite uh, quite good thing, quite good thing, and especially I like uh, their approach with uh, separate, uh, uh, let's say, separate control plane for this uh, technology. 
uh, they have a special VAM servers, VAM servers, and uh, uh, all of the control plane information about the mapping of the underlay routing information, uh, uh, oh, underlay uh, addresses and the overlay addresses are happening here on the so-called VAM ser servers. You even can deploy it like a virtual machine. Yeah, and uh, deploy your spokes and the hub as uh, hardware routers and VAM servers are uh, virtual machines. Uh, so I think that's 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 really nice. That's really nice. You can scale it. You can add uh, CPU resources. You can add RAM resources if you want. Uh, great. Uh, I can I can do that with DMVPN uh, with at, at least one, two, and three phases uh, as far as I know. <laughs> uh, we we can do it. We can do it. That's why I like uh, the solution of HP here. I have no clue about the scalability. I have no experience with large-scale deployments of HP's ADVPN, so I can't say anything. Uh, and uh, I, 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 I'll be glad to hear from our uh, listeners if they, they have such experience uh, and their opinions. Uh. I'll, I'll speculate wildly just because I'm somewhat familiar with the HP router line, uh, and they've got plenty of beef in, in that equipment. And so I'll speculate and say that it, uh, HP ADVPN probably scales as big as you can imagine, uh, as big as you would need it. But that's a guess, though. I don't actually have specs uh, sitting in front of me. But that's um, that's just an opinion from what I know of their routing line. Yeah, by, by specs, I believe it can. It can. But I want to listen for actual deployments. Do 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 you have exactly? Such a, Real, exactly. real life, real life, real life experience. Yeah, uh, let's let's just mention uh, Juniper. I like their equipment. Also, great company, by the way. Uh, they, they have a, a similar approach, um, similar technology. Um, I should say uh, it appeared uh, a little bit later. <laughs> little bit later. Little bit later than the, than the DMVPN, but anyway, it appeared finally. Uh, it's out of VPN plus AD VPN uh, solution from Juniper. Uh, once again, uh, have no uh, real experience with uh, actual production networks deployment, but uh, Juniper has uh, that uh, technology. And guys, if you are, if you consider alternative vendors, uh, uh, try to search for for so-called uh, ADVPN suggester and ADVPN partner uh, keywords. Uh, that's the, your key to find the uh, configuration guide for for where uh, for where uh, ADVPN uh, plus uh, auto VPN plus ADVPN solution. Yeah. I'll also mention that Viata, which is the software router now under the Brocade umbrella, and uh, as of this point, that whole business unit within Brocade is up for sale. Uh, so I don't know where it may be ending up at some point in the future. But uh, anyway, Viata, ViOS, had a DMVPN uh, feature within it that was supposed to be compatible with a Cisco DMVPN. Although I mm -hmm. haven't kept up with it to know if feature parity is you know there 100%. But, uh, but that was the case at least uh, a couple of years ago. Back in 2014, I was aware that this was something that they had released and, uh, and was a feature you could get. Yet. Well, that's interesting. Did, didn't know about it. Have to read it. Hmm. So one more question then, because we covered software-defined WAN on this program heavily, and uh, a lot of what you get in DV DMVPN, you can get with the various SD-WAN uh, vendors that are out there, including Cisco iWAN. Um, do, do you have an opinion on any of the SD-WAN stuff? I don't know if you've been so fortunate as to have worked with iWAN and uh, have some thoughts. 
Uh, yeah, so just uh, small thoughts, small thoughts. Uh, I'm quite a conservative person. Uh, so I <laughs> certainly I believe that the future is with, with, with SDN stuff. And I believe that SD1 uh, is like one of the things uh, with SDN is the future. But uh, up, to that, up to that moment, uh, I still stuck with the VPN deployments. And uh, that's why I don't expect much from, from me at this point. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I, if you're conservative, I get it. Um, you know, my my take on the SD WAN versus a DMVPN is uh, SD WAN. Depending on the the vendor that you go with, you get centralized management, and a lot of the complexity that we were just talking through is dealt with for you through policy. You just tell the DMVPN device the way you need traffic to behave, and it's supposed to take care of it for you on magical unicorns and so on. And if you believe in the magical unicorns, which a lot of the vendor platforms that are out there, it, it really does work as advertised, takes care of QoS for you and uh, you know, and so on. Um, a lot of that's handled. And um, it, you know, whether it's Cisco iWAN we're talking about, uh, Cisco iWAN's in the SD-WAN space is actually a bit of a unique animal. Um, it's several different Cisco technologies that have been baked into an SD-WAN solution. So you've got DMVPN as a big part of what Cisco iWAN is, and then they've added performance routing and a hierarchical management topology and a uh, central uh, controller, APIC-EM, that is the interface you'll use. You don't have to, but you'll most likely be using to configure the system, uh, et cetera. Um, and, but then when you step away from that solution, Cisco iWAN, you're seeing something that is much more... Mm, abstracted feeling where you're working with a console that you don't get into the nuts and bolts too much unless you really want to. Uh, and it's all kind of there in a, a, a pretty gooey as opposed to grubbing around on the command line, building out uh, a lot of complex configuration uh, blocks. So um, again, if it works as advertised and uh, we've covered SD-WAN heavily with lots of different vendors and startups on packet pushers, um, for some of you, that may be an evolution of uh, away from DMVPN that makes sense to you. Um, you may yeah. want to do that. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth looking into, although it's a different – now you're into different pricing and a different cost model. I mean, DMVPN – oh, do you remember, uh, Eugene, what license level you need to be at on an ISR router to be running DMVPN? Was it anything special? Yeah, as for as for small uh, remote offices and uh, once again about 100 series. Oh, sorry, 800 series routers. So, for example, 890, etc. Yeah. Uh, you you can use uh, AdSec license, uh, AdSec license, uh, but uh, uh, without EIGRP, yeah, as I remember. EIGRP uh, yeah, is only in the ad. ad uh, Add IP services as, as once again as I remember. Yeah, because you, you're right. You need uh, you, you, you need you, encryption you can, capability. You need the routing protocol capability to have the you, whole you, package. You can use the MVPN. You can use the MVPN, but uh, you don't have a complementary routing protocol. Uh, you have to hmm. use uh, a good routing protocol for this purpose of the MVPN. So yeah, the, the, the uh, point being, it's the, it's just because you own a Cisco router today doesn't mean that you have DMVPN functionality. Doesn't mean that you have iWAN functionality either, uh, you may have to license up to get those features and move on from there. Uh, the point being, it, since you, if you don't have those features today, but you're looking for something like that, 
you you can also and should also be looking at a lot of the other SD-WAN uh, folks that are out there. Uh, I'll spare you from a vendor list because there's a ton of them, but if you go to packetpushers.net and look at our virtual toolbox, uh, our toolbox link, we've got a list of SD-WAN vendors there, and you can start there if you want, if that's interesting to you. Not that I want to turn this into an SD-WAN advocacy podcast because that's not what, <laughs> what this was supposed is really about <laughs> DMVPN, which is, uh, Eugene, as you said, you're conservative, and DMVPN is mainstream. It's been around for a long time. People know how it works. People know how to scale it. And uh, and hopefully, as you've listened to the show, you've gotten a lot of tips on uh, DMVPN and improving it uh, for you. Don't, don't get me, so sorry for interrupting you, but don't get me wrong. I am conservative, but this doesn't mean that uh, I don't want to move further. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know exactly, I know I just, exactly I just, I just what you mean. Well, Eugene, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us about DMVPN on Packet Pushers today. Now, are you social? Are you active on uh, Twitter? Or do you blog? Anything like that that you'd like to share with people? Yeah, I have a blog. Uh, this is a B-E-T-E-P dot W-P-L dot R-U. You can find me. It's a lot of stuff on English and on Russian, also some of the stuff. <laughs> you can find that my blog and probably you can post the link to this uh, unpronounceable blog <laughs> name. <laughs> in the, we'll link to it in the show notes at, at packetpushers.net. Yeah, also, also you can find me on the LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn block it in Russia uh, for nowadays, but anyway, I'm, I'm here in LinkedIn. <laughs> you can try to find me and even try to drop me a message. Uh, I'll, I'll try to reply. <laughs> That's great. Thank you very much for making yourself available that way uh, to folks. And uh, thanks to you for listening to Packet Pushes today. I'm Ethan Banks, uh, your host today at EC Banks on Twitter, which you, where you can find me screaming into my pillow about enterprise IT, networking, and some other stuff too, since I've been getting into this whole Data Knots podcast, which if you didn't know, because you only subscribe to the weekly show or the Priority Q feeds, Data Knots is a show about infrastructure engineering uh, broadly, not just networking, but also security and storage and virtualization and containers and Kubernetes and uh, you know other such leading edge things that are going on in data center networking. And you can find you know, this show we recorded today, uh, the Data Knot show, and all of our shows. They're all free, and they're all at uh, packetpushers.net, along with our community blog. The community blog is real engineers writing about what it is they do, along with uh, news written by me and Greg Farrow and Drew Conray-Murray. And we don't write news by taking a press release and then vomiting it back into our keyboards. We actually try to think it through and give you good, solid information about what is going on in the industry. Again, all at PacketPushers.net. If you would, you can follow us on Twitter at PacketPushers. You can find us on LinkedIn. We have a group there sharing our content along with Facebook. And we'd really appreciate it if you would rate us on iTunes. That's good for us. It helps us spread the word about Packet Pushers. And last but not least, remember that too much technology would never be enough. <laughs>